0: your information is brought to you by camp crystal lake vodka Tastes the cool waters of new jersey warning vodka may contain arsenic it's new jersey what do you want welcome foolish mortals to for your information listen if you dare Not a Death Curse! Welcome to For Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. Uh, we're your hosts, John. And Zach! And, uh we're horror guys I-, I know i'm a horror guy um sometimes it gets kind of hard trying to find new quality horror content and they make a lot of it but a lot of it's just it's either not entertaining or it's not well written or it's not a, like weird enough for me because it's it's kind of all been done but like what have you been getting into for this like halloween spooky season have you been looking for new horror i am just trying to find some shit that my fiance will fucking watch Uh, good luck with that. Uh, my wife basically doesn't watch horror movies with me anymore because she, she is under the impression that she just doesn't like horror movies anymore, but I think maybe she's just not watching the right ones. I don't know. Right, because, like, when we were, when we were growing up, when we were youngsters, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we had Insidious, Paranormal Activity, like, Sinister, like, all that shit that was, like, really entertaining at the time, but now it just, it's so dated that you can't watch it. So, like, I think when a lot of people think, like, oh, I want to watch a horror movie that i liked when i was a kid on halloween and then they watch one of those movies they're like this sucks and it's like yes it does and it always did but there's so much back catalog shit and like you kind of have to sit through some bad stuff just to get like one good kill or like one good scene like i feel like that's a lot of horror like it's almost (laughs) It's almost like we should just start, like, a porn hub type site for just horror movies, where it's just, like, the best scenes, or, like, the worst scenes from each movie, and then people can make, like, little cum compilations for them. I, mm, okay, I, yeah, sure. I feel like we're then boiling down the genre, and we're, like, discouraging people from trying to make a quality movie that also has quality horror in it, because- <laughs> There are a lot we're missing. There are a lot. I'm saying like for shit that doesn't matter, like this movie. Oh, you don't think this movie matters? Oh, okay. So this is how we're just gonna come out the gate with it. I it's not that I don't care about it. It's not that it's not good. It's that it sucks. And okay, well, <laughs> let's uh, l- let's get right into this then. So uh, if you didn't take a look at the title already, uh, first off, thanks for being so committed. And uh, second off, it's, uh, it's Friday the 13th from 1980. Ooh, it's Friday yeah. the 13th. It happens at least twice a year. Go yeah. get a shitty tattoo. You know... <sighs> I haven't gotten a Friday the 13th tattoo. Like, I have a tattoo and all, but, like, I haven't gotten one of those yet. And I'm I'm thinking maybe I'll have to break down and do it. Dude, I'm gonna do it. Like I- I'm talking a whole lot of shit for a guy that has one tattoo, and that tattoo is a ghost riding a skateboard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. That's <laughs> a lot of fun. And so I'm talking a lot of shit on Friday the Thirteenth tattoos. It depends on where you go, cause some some places just do like the little uh, ink and poke things, and that's cool. Like that's always gonna look nice. It looks vintage. And then some do really weird, like vaguely specific ones that I just can't imagine that if they're doing three hundred of them in one day that at least at least 5 of them are going to come out looking real bad and they're going to go you paid 15 what do you want yeah yeah i see that uh, i've seen a number of friday the 13th like movie tattoos over the years and Jesus you really got to wonder like how many of the movies did they see how many times did they watch the movies that they did see? Is it an aesthetics-only thing? Like, is there any real degree of aesthetic to this movie? I... Th- there is a certain aesthetic. It's the... Because, like, 1980 to 1983, like, when you watch movies from that sp- like that specific era... You can see the shift from the 70s to what we consider the 80s. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, Friday the 13th, the first one, is, like, right there in the middle. Like, it's almost 80s. But it's still like they're still kind of wearing seventies clothing, probably because it was shot in the seventies, like yeah, like probably yeah. seventy nine, because it came out in nineteen eighty. Yeah, and uh, we like to think of it as an eighties uh, movie series because the series itself does mostly take place in the eighties and early nineties, and that's right. because this is a franchise. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Friday the Thirteenth experience is the franchise. It's not the first movie. It's not the second movie. It's the whole shebang. And uh, maybe that's where we need to start talking. About about the movies like what makes a good horror movie and why is it that horror movies seem to do really well as franchises because what works one time will work again in horror so like friday the 13th specifically like because um uh spoiler alert uh jason Voorhees isn't in the first movie that we're covering today or at least not as a killer not as a not as the main killer we'll get there but he is in every single other one And so that makes the first one at least a little special, but it does make the rest of them like they, they either decline in quality, get better or, and then decline again. And that's kind of why we don't see much of them anymore, but I don't know. I, I, John, I'm going to, I'm going to pose this question to you. Who's worse Friday, the 13th fans or child's play fans. Okay. So they are, um, they are close cousins. They're like first cousins from each other. They are very, very close. Um, Close enough to where it would be weird if they started making out. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, it's, uh... Like, third cousins that are, like, only third cousins in name. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I think for Child's Play, which believe it or not, I have not seen any of the Child's Play movies. It's what? one of those things that I'm saving again. That and uh, Hellraiser, and uh, I want to say there's another one. I think Hostel was, but I actually just started watching the Hostel movies like a couple days ago. So that's there's been one two, of my new. Things. So you're good. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all right. Um, I think that Child's Play fans are probably worse, but that's only because I don't think Child's Play is. Uh, in any way iconic i mean maybe it like infantilizes horror a little bit child's play to me is like the most fantastical of all the slasher movies uh we won't be covering child's play this month i think we'll do it eventually but we're not doing it this month and um i have a special place in my heart for child's play just because the first one is so good like it's actually like a well-written movie as far as like 80s horror movies goes because like the 80, and I think that's mainly what we're getting at here, is the 1980s and horror, kind of the same as, like, the the first part of the 2000s horror. Uh-huh. Like, it's all gimmicky, it's all the same thing, and most of it sucks. Because, um, like, even, even the ones that are good are not great. Just like this one. Like, Friday the 13th, the first one, is technically a good slasher movie. But it's not great. It's not fun to watch, for me. I see what you mean. Um huh i again having no experience with child's play have to assume that it's a little bit more like flashy it's a little less like grungy than friday the 13th is it's it's grungy but not in the same way it's a spencer's gifts kind of movie yeah oh absolutely 100 percent uh, Friday the 13th is more of a hot topic, and Child's Play is Spencer's, so do with that information as you will. Yeah, they both meet in the middle of FYE, for those of you people who hung out in the mall in 2006. Exactly. And, you know what? Uh, as far as um, douchebags in the mall, it's still the same. Yeah. Uh, it's They're quickly becoming ghost towns. Uh, They're they an endangered breed now, especially after all the happenings of 2020. So... Let's get into franchises again. Uh, Good stories share a few attributes, I think. Uh, The first one is going to be, like, quality characters and relationships. So, like, tropes are tropes for a reason. There are, specifically within horror movies, a lot of tropes that have persisted from the beginning of modern horror movies up until today. And I don't think they're going anywhere because it's an old standby. There are some things that you have to have in the movie to, I I guess, hold the story together. Like, it's it's the glue that holds people's interests a little bit um plot so plots can't be that complicated in horror movies uh either that or you have to make the plot complicated over time And that's how you're going to fit in your lore and your details. So, like, we'll take Friday the 13th, for example. Uh, The first movie is pretty straightforward. It's a slasher film. Uh, There's kids that show up to the camp. The camp is cursed, allegedly, and people start dying. Okay, that's pretty simple. As you go on, it becomes a lot more complicated, but it's the core fan base that's going to actually watch the movies through the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, because other people will like kind of whip in and out because that's that's what they made these movies for. They yes. made people they made it for people who were like, ah, that one doesn't look as good. Oh, this one is this one is Jason in Manhattan. That's where I live. I'm going to go see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That type of thing. I don't uh, know why it, I did a Cali accent for that, but, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Um, maybe it's Manhattan, California, which I, I don't know. Is there a Manhattan, California? Probably. I mean, there's a Paris, Texas, so who the fuck cares anymore? Right, right. There are no rules. Um, so the last part, I think, is, is going to be a good ending. So you got to have something that's uh, It's going to grab people's attention and make them remember it. Uh, I think in the case of Friday the 13th, the ending is fine. Uh, they, did what, they did well with what they had. It was intense, right. but it's not... Uh, It's not, like, mysterious like the uh, Halloween ending is. Right, where it's like, ooh, where'd he go? Like, I like the ending of Halloween because if you only watch the first one, like, the message you could get from that is, now he's coming to your town. Right, whereas this one's like, oh my god, there's a weird thing jumping out of a lake, is that a person? Spoiler alert, it's Jason. And they want you to believe that that little boy that pops out of the water grows up to be that big, disgusting man. And you know what? We'll get there. <laughs> so, knowing this about franchises and knowing that you have to have some of these core ingredients to make a good franchise, do these horror movies play by the same rules? I mean, we've got Halloween that we covered last week, and Halloween is just as guilty as Friday the 13th is exploiting the sequels. Oh, absolutely i i think that at least halloween tried to be good like i think they had good intentions because they made halloween 2 which which was a direct sequel and then they wanted to like make it a anthology series and then of course people didn't go fucking see it because it didn't have michael myers in it so what does that tell the film studios these people love these new monsters this is going to be the universal monsters all fucking over again and in some ways it kind of was you know i think that these guys stack up a little bit they definitely have the pop culture staying power i mean come on leatherface is in like every single like haunted house attraction in america oh exactly and um he was also a playable character in uh mortal Kombat x but this is not the texas chainsaw massacre episode i want to save that because that's one of my favorites (laughs) okay okay well we'll let's move on a little bit um I think the horror genre has some of the most famous series. Uh, Again, we've got Halloween, we've got Friday the 13th, we've already talked about Child's Play, uh, Saw, The Conjuring. If you can consider, like, Alien a horror movie, then I guess that also counts. Uh, It's alien horror. Uh, We got Puppet Master, we've got the Toxic Avenger. We've got... Yeah, that's a whole host of shit. Um, I guess for some people, Harry Potter is scary. Okay, those people need to go back to, like, Weenie Hut General. I... No, they're probably just gonna go back to, uh, the church lock-in. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter is scary for the children at the church lock-in. Um... What is that special sauce, though, that allows these types of things to take place? Because I really don't think that the Child's Place sequels are any better than the Friday the 13th sequels, like, at their core. Why nah. is it that they're able to do this? How are they able to get away with it? Is it, like, a loyal fan base? Is it just, like, uh, like iconic nature of the thing? Or is it truly a financial success? Like, what's going on? Um, okay, so, first of all, financial success, yes. that That is the key ingredient there. Um, as far as fan base that can be part of it but you're also talking about like a time when you like this was right before blockbuster started popping up in every town so people would go see sequels to movies because they liked the first one and i mean it's still the same today but it's not exactly the same so like this would be like when drive-ins would do like friday the 13th part one and part two it's it's that kind of thing it's that mentality Mm. back then now it's it's just people actually do get into these things like and I see. St- studios have gotten smarter about that. So that's why horror movies are kind of getting better. And I do truly believe we're the golden age of horror right now. And some people would say, no, 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 the seventies and the eighties, that's, that's the golden days. And I'm like, no, that was like the wild west. That was the <laughs> wild west. Like we still didn't know what we could do, but I mean, when you've got things like a uh, hereditary, uh midsummer, other a 24 horror movies coming out it's i mean it's just no wonder that people are really into that genre right now we're in a crazy fucking time and i think i think horror movies just have a lot more to say right now and so that's why we're seeing a big boom now and horror movies have always kind of had its staying power but in the in the like 70s 80s and 90s it was just different so, do you like, think that, like, the business model has changed to adapt with the times? Like, I don't think we're gonna get a midsomar Part 4. Like, I don't think we're gonna no. get Hereditary Part 2. I mean, think about it. Friday the 13th 2 came out immediately after the first one. Like, a year later. And they kept That's doing what they that did. with other movies. Yeah. That's what they do. It, they serialized it. And I would say that that mentality has shifted from horror to, like, superhero movies. Or, like, young adult novel adaptations i see what you mean there with the superhero movies they've definitely done that i mean like avengers they had the two uh endgame movies that came out pretty much back to back but those movies were gigantic it was like a like an undertaking of biblical proportions to produce those movies as fast as they did exactly and it's so the cinematic universe is where is like what you're getting into and that's that's almost a different thing than a franchise it's like a different model there because it's multiple franchises coming together it's almost like when they did freddy versus jason when they did alien versus predator those were big deals Mm -hmm. because because no one had put like two different Characters from two different franchises together, right? Or at least not since the olden days where you had like Frankenstein meets Dracula. Exactly, but now I mean like you got you also have the Conjuring universe, which is in the horror genre, and uh, Mm -hmm. we're we're starting to see a decline in quality there, or it's it's at least hit or miss. I can agree. I I don't know, man. I kind of am not into franchises anymore, like mainly because I hate having to buy every fucking movie in a franchise because I can't just buy. The Blu-ray set of the franchise because I'm a fucking maniac. I have a mental illness. So if I'm going to buy a franchise of Blu-rays, I have to have them all individual. So I'm kind of glad the whole franchise thing is going away because it will save a lot of space. I, I don't understand why you do the things that you do, but I appreciate it. Hey man, look, I don't like box sets. I'll take them sometimes. Like, uh, for instance, uh, my fiance's family bought me an Alfred Hitchcock collection I'll take that because it's a retrospective collection. And also there's shit on there that I can't get on Blu-ray anyway. So fuck it. All right. I'm glad it's worked out for you. I'm glad you're still holding on to my Puppet Master uh, box set. Yeah, I totally still have that and know exactly where it is. Yeah, you're not using it as a doorstop for your garage. I haven't, like, you know, just pissed on it and stomped on it. They still won't go away, though. They, no, no, no. They, it's they plastic. Still, it will never go away. They permeate in my mind, no matter how bad it may smell. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you're playing Skyrim and you can hear the Nernroot Root singing from a distance and you just know that the Puppet Master box set is within 20 yards of where you are. <laughs> i don't like that i don't like that it's coming for me it is it is it always was so we talked about this a little bit earlier um you have a tenuous relationship with this movie and i know that you do but i can't remember a single time where you have engaged in a discussion on the podcast about friday the 13th in any meaningful way i mean it's iconic it's relevant it's got history like what gives are you like some kind of like damaged camp counselor is this like a is this like a thing for you I am a damaged camp counselor, but it mainly has to do with the fact that I worked at a summer camp where I taught guitar, and I was trying to Uh, teach it to kids that were anywhere between 5 and 13, and uh, they they would put, like, the 10 to 13-year-olds in one class, but they would also give me the 5 to 9-year-olds in one class, and goddammit, fuck those 5 to 9-year-olds. All right, so I'm gonna need you to dial back the aggression there a little bit. No, dude, like, it was... (laughs) It was always the worst hour of my life. I could not teach those kids anything. All they wanted to do was just... And I was like, just play this one note, please, dear God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just imagine recorders, right? Like, you remember recorder time. At least recorders were, like, somewhat tolerable. Like, I would rather teach kids recorders because it's like, put your first finger here. Put your other finger here. With guitar, it's like, how do I teach a five-year-old how to do this? Like, because it's not like I can teach them scales. They don't understand that shit. Right. Anyway, I'm not the biggest fan of Friday the 13th because I'm honestly not a big fan of the traditional, like, slasher setup where it's like basically like okay there's a guy out there killing people and uh, we don't know why right now like i don't like that shit like friday the 13th really especially the first movie it doesn't let you know what's going on until it's like almost over like there's 15 minutes left and then you're like oh but like what about like all the time like before that Like, it makes no sense. And also, they are low-budget horror movies, which I can appreciate. I think that making horror movies low-budget actually makes them better, because they have to figure out creative ways to make you scared. Because if you do a big-budget horror movie, is it going to come out cool? Yeah, but I feel like it takes away some of the aesthetic. Okay, I see what you mean. In that regard, I like Friday the 13th, but this one... I'm going to come out and say it right now. I think I could have made this movie better, and here's why. They did the kills in the reverse order. So hear me out i don't think that they should have shown um the first girl annie i don't think they should have shown her getting her neck cut first time the first time something happened it should have been someone goes into a room you hear creaky stuff you hear them you see the camera come up behind the person and then you see nothing else of it other than their dead body later do that first show what the show what the killer can do first then show the actual grizzly violence because it in like make it so much more worse than you can imagine that's how you do it i like it i like how you're giving some real thought to this because uh i'm not convinced that they did uh although no. i will say i think they did the right thing by showing kevin bacon's ass a- absolutely i mean everyone needed to see kevin bacon's ass yeah, yeah that's an important thing you also want to see him get rammed through with a fucking arrowhead exactly because he tried to do that to someone else and uh yeah so he kind of deserved it absolutely 100 percent. tons of fun tons of fun so you think you could have done it better you think they could have done it better that's your main beef with the movie is that there was potential and they just uh didn't follow the format exactly because like halloween is a great movie because it invents so many of those tropes that you see later on Mm -hmm. and it also it's just a compelling good story like, it makes sense. This is not a compelling story because, like, all the way up until, like I said, 15 minutes before the fucking movie's over, there's not even a goddamn story. Like, there's like, there's a killer on the loose, but, like, nobody gives a shit. Yeah, like, except for that one guy who I'm convinced might be Frank Synopsis running around in the middle of the town. I was gonna say, is that just Frank Synopsis? Like, if I don't we're, know, we'll have to ask him. We'll have to ask him. He'll be here later. Oh, oh God. But, yeah, so... This franchise is not my thing, but you know what is my thing? All the pumpkin alcohols. Ah. This is this is the worst transition I've ever done. I was just trying to get. I was just trying to move the episode along. God damn it! But John, uh, you tried. It worked. It it worked. Okay, cool. I hope you guys at home thought it worked. And if you didn't, why are you listening anyway? I do a bad transition every time. Sometimes on purpose. Anyway. John, tell me more about the world of pumpkin alcohol. Alright, sweet. So, uh, last week we covered pumpkin beer, uh, which is actually really common, and uh, especially here in America, something that you can get sometimes year-round, especially in the fall time. That's where you start to see more of it. Um, To This week, let's talk about wine. So, I know in the past uh, we talked a little bit about the history of wine and how it's made. Uh, I want to do a little bit more of a deep dive on that, uh, mostly because it is a storied history. So... Back in the olden times, you know, where you have like Mesopotamia, Egypt, and like ancient Greece, uh, wine was uh, either seen as the go-to drink or the preferred drink. So that's like what the upper class bougie people were drinking when everybody else might have been drinking some kind of weird ale beer type thing. So uh, wine has always had a bit of a a status surrounding it, and that persists to the modern day. You know, if you just wanted to run to the gas station to get a bottle of Stella Rosa and down it in your car while you're driving home, that's recklessly irresponsible. Don't do that. But um, that, that is one side of the coin today, and the other side is sommelier is a profession. You can be a professional wine enthusiast, more or less, and you can be the go-to person for that. So um, it, it has stayed relevant throughout its entire history, uh, not necessarily the case with other alcoholic beverages. And uh, it's actually not difficult to make. It's difficult to perfect, not difficult to make. Right just like, um, a Plato sculpture that will make my dad love me. Yeah, yeah, just like that. Uh, you stick a couple bit of those macaroni tubes in the top, you know, uh, give some hair like a Chia Pet. Dad, I made this for you. Shut up, Dad, is drinking. Uh, yeah, he's drinking some pumpkin wine. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, wine is a lot more simple than beer in that there isn't really a brewing process. Uh, you really just... Smash some grapes and collect the juice, and that's kind of how it works. What you end up with is a product called Must. So what we talked about last week with Ale is that uh, the wort is the unfermented beer. The wort for beer is the must for wine. It's the unfermented grape juice. Now, this is not necessarily grape juice every time. You can make wine out of just about anything. That's why wine is one of the most basic and prolific types of alcohol in the world. Can you make a pickle brine wine? Okay, so I think the problem with pickle wine is that it's... um. Not sweet enough. There's not enough fermentables in the pickle brine. Ah, uh, I was just right. thinking of like, what's the what's my two least favorite things in the world? Wine and fucking pickles. If someone put them both in the same thing, I'd have to respect them. I would also fear them. Do you really have a beef with wine? It's not that I have a beef with wine. It's not my favorite alcohol. Just like this movie. So actually you talking about pumpkin wine is actually perfect. Right. Okay. I, I'm beginning to see how this is uh, playing out in our favor here. Uh, as, far, as far as the use of pumpkins in wine goes, it's not very common. Uh, it's usually something that is kind of regulated to home brewing and uh, kind of fun projects for people who like to cook. Uh, but it, there are commercial pumpkin wines available. Uh, it's just like with beer, it can be accomplished with an artificial flavor or with a concentrated natural flavor, or you can actually brew the wine with pumpkin. So... Um, that's difficult. The reason why that's difficult is because the pumpkin is not super sweet on its own. So without adding a bunch of sugar to the wine to make it fermentable, um, you're walking a fine line between just having something that kind of tastes like a pumpkin and having something that's not really going to be alcoholic or enjoyable to drink. So that's the challenge with wine. It is so simple, but if you're going to do something adventurous with it, you really got to experiment or you really got to know what you're doing or you're going to end up with something stupid. And maybe that's one of the reasons why wine is so traditional there are so many people out there that stick to their guns with wine like this is old vine so-and-so it's been around for hundreds of years because these this one type of grape grown in this one type of place on this one type of plant has been successful for so many years that we're just going to keep doing it because we found what works and we're sticking with it you know what i mean right if it ain't baroque don't fix it if it is yes. if the wine is ain't coming out of the barrel don't fix it if you if your husband hasn't left but he hates you don't fix it wait till he leaves then you fix it i see uh i don't know that i agree with that but uh you know for the purposes of talking about wine i think that uh that could also be a part of your plan there so that's wine in a nutshell uh it, it that's there's a the reason line. why people stick to their guns there's a reason why the traditional wines are still popular still famous and still sought after uh whereas other things maybe not so much you know a bathtub gin from the uh, 18th century is not something that people really want to drink now you know what i find weird john what's that whenever they have wine bottles and it has like you know the grapes on it that would be like that would be like buying a pound of like burger meat and it just has like a cow layer in a field on like the packaging okay i see where you're going with this um i think that maybe uh i think maybe you're right but also uh grapes on their own are appetizing you know most people are not trying to go take a chunk out of a live cow i don't know we watched way too many cannibal movies last month so i think my brain's a little fucked up that is true that is true I i see where you're going from uh i think that maybe they could just put um I don't know. They could put a list of things that people have said after drinking the wine on the side, and just be like, "Is this really something you want to get into?" That should be the Surgeon General's warning on uh, alcohol products. Is they should just put in quotation marks some dumb shit that somebody said after drinking. Warning: This wine may cause you to be fun, Mom. Mmm, fun, Mom. Warning: This wine might make you reveal secrets to your mother-in-law. Ooh, you don't want to do that. Warning. This wine might get you all horny, baby. Oh, love it. Warning, this wine may make you leave your bra at home. <laughs> it's not tequila. Tequila, as we know, makes her clothes fall off. Yes, that is... Them, them's be facts. <laughs> them's be facts. So said Trace Atkins, or whoever the fuck sang that. They're all the same. They're all 40-year-old white guys. What do you want? Yes. <laughs> all righty. Speaking of 40-plus-year-old white guys, let's bring in are a good pal. You know them. You love them. You can smell them through your speakers. It's Frank Synopsis. How goes it, buddy? Oh, it's going just fine. Uh, it's getting kind of cold outside uh, living up this far north. Oh, yes. Um, I'm sure it gets cold in Central Park. It probably gets a little nipply out there. Absolutely. Uh, it smells like cold trash. The rest of the year it just smells like hot trash. You know, Cold trash and hot trash definitely have different smells, just like hot chicken and cold chicken have different smells. Don't like that. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I said something that you don't like. Frank, what is Central Park like on uh, any given Friday the 13th? Like I, it, it ha- like I said earlier, it happens at least once or twice a year. It's a little bit like Halloween. It's not a place you really want to hang out. For whatever reason, it tends to bring the weirdos out. And if it happens to be a full moon on the Friday the 13th, who uh... You're in for a, you're in for a fun time. I hope you didn't leave your cat outside. Jesus Christ. Um so are there a lot of werewolves in Central Park? I wouldn't say that there are quite so many werewolves. Uh, I'm more worried about the werecoons. The werecoons. So, is a were-raccoon, like, a person who turns into, like, a humanoid-raccoon hybrid? Oh, absolutely not. The were-raccoon is, uh, it's a raccoon that turns into a person at the full moon. Oh, okay, so it's just, he just becomes like Dave from accounting? No, actually, he becomes, a like, an insatiably hungry animal. Okay. Uh, so a, uh, are they, are a strange, they still rabid biped. Are they still hungry for trash when they become the, the were-raccoon? Yes, but they are capable of opening up the locks because they have human sized thumbs instead of the weird small raccoon thumbs. But that's the thing about the were raccoon is that it's used to using its thumbs, so it makes great work of it. Okay. Uh just before we get into the synopsis, um, can you make can you give me a recreation of what a were raccoon sounds like? Hmm. Uh 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 <laughs> If I if I just had, mal- uh, if I had a human mouth for the first time, that's the sound I would make, too. Anyway, Frank, tell us about Friday the 13th, the film. Oh, of course. Let's talk about it. In 1957, a young boy drowns at Camp Crystal Lake, kicking off a series of ghastly, unsolved murders in the years to come. Two decades later, Steve Chrissy does the unthinkable and reopens the old summer camp. Despite warnings from the locals, teenage antics ensue as the camp counselors prepare for opening day. Will the death curse return to Camp Crystal Lake? Will any campers get out alive? Find out in friday the 13th you know i wish that they would have just made this like a oh by the way frank you can go oh okay yeah i was beginning to wonder when you would kick me out i i like that it's warm in here though you if you need if you need to sit in the lobby frank you can go (laughs) all right you can go sit there all right john are you back yeah 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 i uh Kind of looks like a cat got in a fight outside. There's like little clumps of fur everywhere. Um, I mean, maybe Frank is shit. Oh, no. What if he's a were-raccoon? What the fuck is a were-raccoon? You know what? I don't know. Now he's got my brain all fucked up. All right. <laughs> John, what if they just made Friday the 13th? Like, I feel like you could just recut the trailers for these movies and make them like, you know, look like a teen comedy. Because are, are, is the teen comedy and the teen horror movie any different? uh yeah i think one of them wears that fun little arrow hat thing that has the arrow going through your head and one has the arrows going straight through your body is there any difference uh when you're kevin bacon it is <laughs> he's either foot loose or he's footless I <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you, you you could you could say that yeah you, you could you one could say that um let, let's talk about the movie Let's get into that basic basic info that you gotta know to get a little bit uh, a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole into Friday the 13th to answer your question uh yeah I think they're different I think that uh, American pie is a little different from this and uh Porkys is I haven't seen porkys but I imagine it's not like this. It's okay. You don't need to see Porky's. Do see Caddyshack. Ah, I see. Another one I haven't seen. Ah, so you mean upcoming episode? Probably Um, after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. Okay, so uh, Friday the 13th was directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham, who kind of became infamous for his involvement in the movie. Uh, It was written by Victor Miller uh, and music by Henry Manfredini. Uh, Fun fact, he's the weird cousin of Henry Mancini, who made that, uh, that fun little tenor sax ditty for the Pink Panther what really no i i totally made that up that's not real oh okay i was like wait what yeah no <laughs> i thought that oh. was real you said it so convincingly see that's that's my trick zach because i always say it convincingly ah i feel yes. you all even right. if it's not true at all <laughs> what uh, if, what special if, what effects <laughs> by the wonderful wonderful tom savini tom savini tom savini what yeah. what what other movies has he done, John? Um, oh, he's done a like... bunch of them. We'll touch on some of them later. He's famous for Dawn of the Dead. He did the Creep Show series. Uh, he he did a lot of cool stuff. I like Creep Show. Oh yeah. Uh, produced under the Georgetown Productions Incorporated label and distributed by Paramount Pictures in the U.S. and Warner Brothers globally. Uh, had a budget of five hundred and fifty thousand dollars and a total box office return of about sixty million dollars. Forty million being domestic. Oh wow, that I mean that's pretty good. That's a pretty good turnaround. That's what I'm saying. Low budget, high reward. If you if you just make a horror movie. That's why a lot of independent movies are horror movies as well. I meant to say that earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand what you mean. Like, we have talked about it a few times beforehand. It's just there, you can do a lot with a little because it's easier to just be scary or to make it eerie. It's harder to make it look really good. It's harder to make a horror movie funny, but it's easy to make a funny movie a horror movie. Hey, I, I like the way we're looking at this now. Let's talk about the cast. Uh, we have Adrian King as Alice Hardy. We have Harry Crosby as Bill Brown, who's actually the son of singer Bing Crosby, believe it or not. I'm dreaming of a Friday, the thirteenth for my son to star in so he could stop mooching off all my fucking money. Get the fuck out! I, this Bing Crosby is uh, too much pumpkin wine for Bing Crosby. Get out, Bingy's drinking! <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't don't like that. I don't like it. Uh they have Janine Taylor as Marcy Cunningham, uh Larry Bartram as Brenda Jones, Mark Nelson as Ned Rubenstein, uh Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees. Okay, so Betsy Palmer is actually one of the only recognizable actors who was acting in this movie at the time of its release. And we have Kevin Bacon as Jack Burl, who went on to do such movies as Footloose, Footloose. in nineteen eighty four, and many, many after. So he's like an A-lister uh Hollywood actor, and the only person that was recognizable in the film, like I said before, was Betsy Palmer. Betsy Palmer, star of stage and screen. Yes, uh, she did mostly series and a little bit of Broadway, uh, not in quite as many movies. Um, Believe it or not, uh, she was the second pick for the role of Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, Estelle Parsons, who you might know from Dick Tracy, was actually the first pick, but she declined because it was just, like, too nasty, violent. And Betsy Palmer only accepted the role because she wanted to buy a new car. Yeah, she... she just wanted some quick cash. It's just like, um... I remember, uh, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Carrie Fisher is in that movie, and she only did the movie because they offered to buy her, like, a, um, <laughs> like, some sort of antique. She was like, hey, if you buy this for me, I'll come do your shitty movie. I, I like that. I like that energy. I also like the fact that Betsy Palmer called this, on the record, a piece of shit movie. She is right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh ah yeah it's lots of fun uh (laughs) during the casting cunningham looked for like young decent looking actors but really didn't set the bar all that high uh look for people with minor experience that that was like their preference but they really just needed him to show up look the part read decent dialogue and get killed and he knew that from the outset so they were able to keep the cost down but keep the quality relatively high i mean that ain't bad i mean like it's giving people an opportunity it definitely gives it gave kevin bacon like a nice little boost yeah, 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 love watching Kevin Bacon foot and then die. I mean, hey, man, he's forever young. He is forever young. If you, if you die while fucking, you will forever be young. Yeah, or forever be sweaty. I mean, some of us don't sweat. When yeah, we're die I, young, I... leave a sweaty corpse. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a younger person's body would take a lot longer to decompose anyway. Right. Like, these it, these it are questions should. for Voorhees himself. I don't think he knows. I think he just does the killing. I don't think he runs, like, a funeral service. Because, I mean, that would be just a total racket monopoly. Like, he does the killing and he buries the bodies. Like, that's too much, man. Yeah, it's like a Crypt Keeper type thing. You know, I think with the serial killers, like, uh, they're what's the word I'm looking for serial killers come in like two different varieties right there's like the process kind and the product kind I think Jason is definitely a process guy whereas you take like a leather face and he's more of a product guy yeah because he likes to make little trinkets out of the bodies Jason Voorhees is like nope that's a teenager it's gotta go yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna kill him and throw him up in a tree and it's fun when they fall down but that's not like my main MO here Hey, look, it's just the 1980s uh, personified. Just be a dick to teenagers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there is a little bit of uh, controversy there that we will touch on here in a little bit. Uh, Believe it or not, when this film came out, it was the 18th highest grossing film of that year. And for Paramount, it was the second highest grossing film right behind Airplane hey that ain't bad baby no no it's not a uh, famous airplane <laughs> just you know people still talking about that movie and talking I, I, about this movie i wish that there was more airplane merch than there was friday the 13th merch but we'll get there yeah i, I don't know that i want like a ted striker bobblehead though hell yeah i would i would imagine like you know how some people just have their houses filled with like simpsons merchandise or wizard of oz merchandise i'd love to go into someone's house who's just filled with airplane merchandise it's just like there's a couple of glass cases with bottles of like model glue like that were snipped on set and then you go up into their bedroom and then like the little inflatable captain is there oh and yeah you're yeah, just yeah. and then and it's in their bed and you're like you know what i don't think i need to be friends with you yeah auto the autopilot uh that that is its official name i love it yeah you it's have great. you have you have to blow them they blow them up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's clever good old-fashioned comedy back when we didn't have rules back-, <laughs> back when back when i i you could you could make fun of anybody that was that wasn't white. you can make fun of them if they were gay you can make fun of them if they were any other color than white you can make fun of them as long as they weren't white it was fine i don't know who this character is that you're doing right now but i'm, I'm kind of interested <laughs> what's this like it, a reverse it, jeff dunham type situation <laughs> you might be a redneck if you're white i so it's so it's, it's jeff fox the anti-humor yes i i see where you're going with this i don't think i like it i think the uh, only airplane decoration that i would really appreciate would be like one of those like flopping singing bass fish except it's just the boobies from that one scene that just appear for no reason <laughs> i just wish boobies just appeared in my life for no reason Right, see that's we need to go to summer camp. Apparently, that's where that happens. We also run the risk of getting stabbed to death in the woods. So, right, know. it's you're either going to see some titties or get stabbed or both. Some people are lucky and get both. You know what, man? That's the full experience. That's the full Friday the Thirteenth experience. <laughs> um, the success of Halloween is credited for actually inspiring the willingness of the studios to support this movie. Um, and it was considered low risk for that reason. Halloween had already done it. It had already made its way through and, uh, you know, it it was not necessarily infamous, but it was, uh, infamous enough to garner attention as an independent film. Right. It's, um, so this is, this is kind of like I was saying, this is where the low budget horror movie tradition came from. It came from this time. You get a bunch of them in, like, January and February, usually. And then, like, you know, of course, around Halloween. But that's usually when they do their, like, slightly higher budget horror films. Mm-hmm. The good ones. The good ones. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're still not good. Yeah. But yeah. It's low risk, high reward. It makes sense for the studio. Because Agreed. you you can put butts in seats for any kind of horror movie. For it's And it seems to be the only genre you can do that with. Yeah, because, like, a shitty romance movie is just kind of sad. Yeah, like you're gonna get single women, you'll get single men, you'll get couples where uh someone is being dragged to there one way or the other. Yes, and so you make money there, but you're not getting the gobs of people. Right, 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 right. I, I feel like you can. You can sell Jason Voorhees to more people than you can sell, like, Jennifer Lawrence in a supporting role where she's just a bitch the whole time. You mean, uh, The Hunger Games? Not what I meant, but you know what? That is the comment we deserved, not the comment we received. I know you were- I know you were referring to Silver Linings Playbook, but I just wanted to put it out there that I hate The Hunger Games, too. Alright, cool. So we're we're just gonna chalk this up to a, a, a few more on the list of movies that Zach hates. Hey man, it's it's a it's a pretty long list. There's I would say there's more shit I hate than like honestly. Really? Wow. Okay. Uh, it's coming out a little bit in this one. Yeah, it is. I I don't don't get me wrong. I don't hate most movies. There's a lot of movies that I just don't care to watch or don't care about. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, in particular with this phenomenon where we have uh like a movie coming out after another movie and it kind of piggybacks off of it. Uh, It's almost like a Floodgate situation, and context, I think, is everything for that. So we have, like, at the beginning of the 2000s, we had Saw and Final Destination, and then we had Hostel, and then we had a lot of other, like, weird torture horror movies, and um, it fizzled out pretty fast. But once we established that it was okay and it could be successful, people wanted to do more of it. Right. It's, um, It's a monkey see, monkey do type thing. Right, and when it's just about money And it's just about putting butts in seats Then it's not necessarily about art at that point Um, it, it, I guess it just opens up the door a little more Exactly, it, I mean, it opens up the door in a good and bad way It opens up the door for more independent filmmakers To get their stuff out there But it also opens up, like, you know, greedy studios Just, like, pushing something out Like, uh, like the Bye Bye Man Ah, yeah, the Bye Bye Man The pee-pee-poo-poo man The, I, don't, nope, don't like that (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the reception of this film because it was uh, not great. Uh, It it was definitely (laughs) counted, (laughs) it was definitely a strike against it that it was youth oriented, and it was frequently called out for being youth oriented and uh, disliked pretty much universally by critics. Uh, Gene Siskel, (laughs) who was actually a colleague of Roger Ebert at the uh, Chicago Tribune, insisted that readers of his publication write Paramount write Cunningham, and write Betsy Palmer to express how shitty they thought the movie was. I liked the part where the kids were being killed, but I didn't like the part where I was the one fucking killing them! I... <laughs> I, I like it. And you know what? That plays perfectly into our next point. Um, in retrospect, this movie also gets criticized for Reagan-era conservatism uh, that's yeah. generally surrounding the sexually aware teenagers being punished by gratuitous violence. If you have sex, the next thing you should expect is a knife in the back of the neck, whether it be from that poor girl's father or from some random serial killer, which also could still be that girl's father. Yes, there's a lot of lead in the air and water. It kind of made people really aggressive in this time period. We, we yeah. So is, uh, you you can pre- blame lead for a lot of serial killers. I think this is President Ronald Reagan, and I'm just here to tell you that. There might be lead in the air, there might be poison in our water, but you know what we do have? American spirit. And you know what we also do have? Really cheap gasoline. And if those are the things that you're okay with, then I don't see how you could have a problem with any of the rest of this. Also, children, don't have sex before marriage, because if you do, we're going to make sure you have to pay for them babies. Yes, exactly. See, you know what? Hit them in their wallet. You know, convenience is a form of currency, that's why the DMV sucks that's why (laughs) i mean honestly if they really wanted to get people to stop having abortions make planned parenthood like the dmv you have to you have to fill out like a form to get this i think you still have to do that anyway abortion shouldn't be hard to get that's a different point though we are not that podcast we're not that podcast but i'm still gonna give it to you anyway Because we're in a highly politicized time, and if you're on the wrong side of this, fuck you. Ronald Reagan. All Ronald I got Reagan, fucking started the crack epidemic. He's the goddamn devil. When I get to hell, I'm going to fucking fight him. I I like this idea. I wanna do pay-per-view. <laughs> zach versus ronald reagan yes um it depends on what version of ronald reagan it is because if it's like old like crippled ronald reagan and i could just like snap him in half i'm gonna be kind of sad like i want like a young like vivacious ronald reagan oh right tonight. the one that was a hollywood actor ronald reagan exactly probably could still just snap him in half but anyway that man is dead, and for that, I will give him some peace and some rest. Still yes, fuck yes. you. Still the U.S. president. Um, This movie gets a lot of credit for having a female villain. Now, this is especially important because so many of the kill scenes in the movie are done from the perspective of the killer in first person, which was... A newer concept at the time, I know we talked about how we just came off Cannibal Holocaust and how like that first person mockumentary body cam type thing was um, relatively new and this came out almost at the exact same time. Exactly. I mean, it it definitely piggybacked on Halloween in almost every aspect. Yes. And uh, we do see that in Halloween. I know in the beginning of Halloween where they go through the Michael Myers like initial childhood murders, uh, they do the same thing. You're looking through the mask. You're looking out at the people in the house. You watch him kill. But you know who he is. And that's the main difference, I think, between the way that the first Halloween movie is done and the way the first Friday the 13th movie is done, is that you still get the experience, but it puts you in the shoes of the killer. You're not thinking of yourself as Michael Myers. You don't know who the killer is in Friday the 13th, but you still see it happen through their eyes. So you have to assume that it's someone like you. Through my eyes will yes. kill those kids, my eyes. Or Betsy anyway. Palmer's eyes. She's eyeing up that new car. She's, <laughs> she's eyeing up that new car. And she gets to kill a bunch of youngins while she's at it because the '80s was really about that. What kind of car do you think she bought? A DeLorean? Uh, she probably bought like a Ford Festiva. Oh, that's fun. Maybe like an AMC Gremlin because they still had those back in the day. Or maybe a Yugo. Oh yeah, it's a just a lawnmower with uh with a car body on it. <laughs> no, that's my that's my car, the Kia Soul. <laughs> oh, you think your car has a lawnmower engine? Basically, it's it's basically like a go kart engine. Right, right, right. They make you put the gas into a gas can at the pump, add oil to it to get the fuel gas mix, or I the oil gas that, mix, and I put that in the car. I didn't know that's what you had to do. That's terrifying. On some older lawnmowers, yeah, you do. You have to have an oil gas mix. <laughs> Ugh. Just ask Jason. He's probably killed a guy with it. Probably. I mean, that's that's one of the things. Is, uh, eventually, you run out of ways to kill people. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue into the next part, which is like the pop culture implications of the Friday the 13th franchise. And let me just say that Jason Voorhees, or at least the hockey mask, is super, super recognizable. He is easily the most recognizable horror villain of all time. Um, but I it's the whole franchise again it's not just the one movie because again that scenic hockey mask doesn't actually even make an appearance until i think the third movie right because it they were still figuring out they were still getting the kinks worked out because they only gave themselves like a couple of months in between making these things yes it happened very fast and honestly i think the second movie where he just has the fucking bag on his head that's kind of more scary than the hockey mask Right, because the hockey mask implies that there's an actual face under there. Yes, and then with the bag, it's just an eyeball sticking through a hole like Jeepers Creepers. I haven't actually seen Jeepers Creepers either, so I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. That's okay. Yeah, so (laughs) let's go over some of the kills, right? So I've got a... Ooh, there's a lot of them. Uh, we'll start with the, the second movie, because we've all seen what happens in the first movie, but we're talking about the legacy here. So in the second one, we see a murder with an ice pick. We see a murder with a barbed wire. We see the tree murder, which is where he just puts someone in a sleeping bag and smashes them against the side of a tree, like a big bag of fucking potatoes. <laughs> uh, we got a hammer murder, we got a machete murder, we got a spear murder, we got a knife murder, we got a pitchfork murder, and also a pick axe murder. Which, I mean, if you want more murder per capita, the second one is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the third one. Uh, meat cleaver, knitting needle, two pitchfork kills, a wrench, a machete, a knife, a spear gun, a fuse box, a fire poker, a superhuman strength alone, and an axe. <laughs> I Just the fact that he has superhuman strength killed them? Yes. just he's He just flexed really hard and it just sent a shockwave through the air, like in supersonic boom, and just exploded the head god i can think of so many meatheads that just they that's the like i have to think that that's where they got the idea like man maybe if i just get so jacked people will not be able to believe it like they'll just be like wow how'd you get so jacked and i'll be like i don't know but i don't fucking like you for questioning me so you know what boom yeah sylvester god. stallone look into the eyes of god and fucking kill yourself Ah, uh, that's that's dark <laughs> that's super dark I just talked about a pickaxe murder, and you're somehow more dark than that. (laughs) Hey, you know what? It's in the Bible. The Bible says, like, you'll burn your own fucking eyes out if you look at God. Don't do it. Look, at least he gave you the warning ahead of time. Hey, it really sounds like he's not real. Like that one time where Moses looked at just, like, the end of God's robe, and he came back down the mountain literally glowing, like, shooting light out of his skin. I mean... He might have also accidentally stumbled upon a nuclear reactor. We we don't know. Okay, well then you're getting into the whole like gravity engine Anunnaki alien thing, and like God is actually just aliens. So we're we're not going there. We we can't get into that. We're not that podcast. Hey, I'll I'll. I was just trying to make a God's not real joke. I and, and you've, <sighs> you've already you made so you, many you, God's not dead jokes. Why why not go ahead and make a few of these too? hey you know what i'm trying to scrape from the bottom of the barrel because you're about to talk about any other fight the 13th movie past the third one so i just i just wanted to i wanted to make an homage all right yeah so these are the types of things that made jason Voorhees so iconic you know there are halloween costumes every single year that are adult and child size they've got the bleeding mask they've got like the machetes that you can buy that's all kinds of stuff it is iconic uh there's no debating that um do you think that jason Voorhees has superseded some of the classic monsters um i think he's right up there like he's just as recognizable as like a frankenstein or a dracula and he he's probably more recognizable than like the creature from the black lagoon i see what you mean i think i just like the creature from the black lagoon so i I guess no no no, no. i'm not saying anything like uh, that's one of my favorite monster movies i'm just saying like if you put like if you did that classic test of like just asking kids what you know Like just put a bunch of horror icons They'd probably name Jason before they would Creature from the Black Lagoon And yeah, that's because probably. they have shitty parents I think that maybe we need to have like a uh, Count Chocula type serial for Jason Voorhees <laughs> I mean give it enough time I think we will but I don't know I think the Draculas and the Frankensteins and like you know ghosts just just ghosts in general just I think those, ghosts I, I think those will always be more closely associated with halloween because they are now kind of family friendly like they're kind of harmless that's true, which is scary to think about because you know vampires. Uh and then we have the Jason Voorhees type where it's not even necessarily scary anymore. Like even if you go to an actual like haunted house attraction and there's a Jason Voorhees type character in there, the atmospheric nature of it is the only thing that's going to scare you. The fact that Jason Voorhees exists is not scary anymore. Right, because I mean we see shit like this on the nightly news, news. all the time yes get people uh you know putting people into buckets full of chum and then just dumping them over in the lake exactly like <laughs> just <laughs> just putting them through the old chummerator. the chummerator is it more refrigerator or more chum machine <laughs> hey man it's kind of like a kegerator it's whatever you want to be it's however you build it ah i see i love the kegerator it's a business on the outside party on the inside it's like the mullet of the appliance world there is so much collectible merch for this movie that it is, like, a little jarring. Like, any that you go into, like, an FYE or like a Hot Topic, or sometimes even like a Spencer's Gift, Uh, there's going to be some weird Friday the 13th stuff in there, maybe it's a t-shirt, maybe it's a poster, maybe it's a box set of the DVDs, maybe it's like a, uh, it's like a movie collectible, like it's like a life-size machete on a wall plaque, but like there's all kinds of weird stuff out there, and I think Friday the 13th maybe takes the cake, uh, it's right up there with Child's Play, it's right up there with, um, i guess halloween but even then i just feel like i feel like the jason Voorhees does more i feel like he's got more i feel like friday the 13th is the nightmare before christmas of halloween like merchandise Uh, like that's a hot take it's so easily merchandisable and like People can get behind Friday the 13th because a lot of people don't even really give a shit. They just associate Jason Voorhees, like we said, like a Dracula, like a Frankenstein, like a Bride of Frankenstein. It's, it's, you know, he's just iconic. So, you could put him on the pillowcases. You could put him on the kids' fruit snacks. You could put him in the Scooby-Doo movie. You could put him in your pussy. Like, it's it's this, it's this just... He's okay. just one of those things. I'm gonna have to stop you right there. I looked it up. I was not able to find a Jason Voorhees novelty dildo. I You know what? Just because you can't find it doesn't mean that I can't make it or I can't imagine it. So... I... Uh, we're not that <laughs> podcast, but how does it differ from, how like, a normal How are we not that podcast? Dildo? I disagree. Ah. <laughs> we, we are definitely the talking about a Jason Voorhees dildo and, like, the search for it. We are definitely that podcast. So, it's a novelty item for sure. Is it just, like, a normal dick dildo, but it has, like, barbed wire wrapped around the shaft? I think that it would just be, like... It would be, like, Jason's hand. Because, like, you see Jason's arm, like, a lot. So, maybe it's, like... Maybe the end of it is the fist and like, it's kind of like a fisting toy, but like probably like a little smaller just so that way it's, um, you know, not as intense because let's face it. Who's buying this? Okay. I think you're, uh, you're implying there's, like, a baby fist-sized device that we're gonna make to reflect Jason Voorhees in this, and I, I don't like that. Um, I, I'm honestly more down for having, like, a, again, regular, normal dick dildo thing, but it has, like, a hockey mask on the head of the dildo. Hey, you know what? You make your dildo, I make mine. We'll see who sells better. Oh, okay, yeah. So go to the uh, For Your Information Facebook page, and we'll put up a poll to see uh which drawing of the dildo Friday the 13th dildo uh, is more popular. And if you don't pick mine, I'll cry. All right, well, there's that. So that's (laughs) one reason to pick one and not the other. Um, Why don't we not talk about this anymore? (laughs) Okay. We have to move on. The the point is, you throw a dart, you're going to find some Friday the 13th merch. And then after you throw that dart, you realize that that was a Friday the 13th dart. And then Ah. you take a shot out of your Friday the 13th shot glass. Because you definitely have some of those. I actually don't have any of those, but you know what? I do have Nightmare Before Christmas shot glasses, because you know what? People in my family don't know how to buy any fucking thing else for me. They're just like, oh, he's spooky. I guess we'll buy Nightmare Before Christmas. I, they should have just got you a Danzig album. (laughs) Um, just because I know my sister is a listener. Just note, that wasn't directed at you. I like the things you buy me. Aha, I see. Good save, good save speaking of good safe uh why don't we talk about the world of friday the 13th because so many people have criticized the friday the 13th franchise for really just being like murder porn like mindless nothing like not creative not anything but it's really kind of taken on like a strange tragic life of its own so uh, for those of you that have seen the first movie um you'll know that jason like the the boy or the man then is not actually the killer it's his mom so As the series goes on and they go back and retroactively explain some of the things that happen here, they say that Jason was almost drowned in the lake as a kid, but survived, and that he lived in the woods around Camp Crystal Lake. And that explains some of the weird happenings in the years after. Um, But his mom didn't know that. So his mom does all these murders for him. Jason uh, supposedly watched her die at Camp Crystal Lake, and that is then why he goes on the quest to uh you know revenge his mom's death that's why he sets up the altar with her head on it that's why he wears the sweater i listen how does he put on his mom's sweater he he is a very large man how does how does he manage to do this well you see she bought it as a sweater dress but he just wears it as a normal sweater ah gotcha i don't don't know know, that that's a true statement at all I, i i don't think that's the case See, that's such a fake out to me. Like like that's what I hate about Friday the 13th. It's like it's the it's always a fake out. Like like at a certain point this motherfucker should stay dead. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most interesting things about Jason though is that he fuses the supernatural and the superhuman into one like mega killer. And nowadays that doesn't really seem very impressive, but then it was a little bit different. Like we had Michael Myers. We knew who Michael Myers was from the beginning of Halloween. We knew how he was going to play into it and we knew what his motivations were. Jason is not really like that. Jason is a mortal guy for a period of time, but he then dies and gets reborn and goes to hell and comes back and gets turned into a cyborg and goes into space. Like he does like a bunch of stuff. So that's kinda why he's cool, I guess. Yeah. He's the James Bond of, like, horror movie villains. You know what? I would say that Jason Voorhees is probably a deeper character than James Bond. Jason Voorhees has a tragic backstory. But James Bond just wants a cocktail and a lady.
1: How is yeah, that that's not that complicated at
0: all. That's, like, the most simple thing. But it's always the supervillains getting in the way. Anyway, you know what? I don't know why I'm trying to defend James Bond. I'm not a James Bond fan either. <laughs> it's okay it's fine it's an aesthetic movie and honestly i think some of these movies are going to be aesthetic movies too i think that oh, yeah. uh you know despite the fact that jason has always been uh a helpless child and like a weird creepy hermit a deranged psycho murderer and then like a like an immortal demigod type character he, he still manages to kind of be that mm, ubiquitous serial killer type no matter what he's doing uh and that's why people like it i guess it's um It's almost like you're... He's almost a stand-in for yourself. Like, it's almost like you could put yourself in Jason's shoes. Yes. And you know what? That's okay. And I think the thing I'm trying to get at with how I feel about Jason Voorhees is... I think he's almost like... You know how you have vanilla goths? Mm, Friday the 13th is like a vanilla horror fan type thing. Like, I I feel like... Friday the 13th is a meat and potatoes kind of movie. It's like you got your basic setup and some of the later movies they don't even bother with the setup cuz it's like you're here, you know what's going on. Yeah, he's the every man's horror villain. He's the every man's horror villain. He is he's the Marty McFly of horror villains. I like it. I like it a lot. Um Let's talk about some fun facts in the movie. So, earlier we talked about Tom Savini and how he's like a makeup artist extraordinaire. He was in Dawn of the Dead. uh, He did work for Creepshow, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Monkey Shines, and like a bunch of other stuff. You know, and he's super ubiquitous in the horror world. Uh, Maybe the best horror effects artist that ever lived. Um, That did not stop him from making some rather poor career decisions in this movie because in the one very real animal death scene, uh, he was the one completely behind that. So, he was the one that's... He, he was the one that said hey we're gonna kill a snake today and they were just like okay well yeah because it happened to him the day before you know and that inspired him he was like oh it was so scary i was in my room and there was a snake and then we had to kill the snake and i was like we're we gonna put the snake scene in here it's like oh y- sure sure let's let's do it and so they killed a real snake i guess i guess it doesn't count against like the you know you know animals were not hard to making this thing because technically it's a vermin i think that uh you would have to say that it was harmed for the purposes of the movie so that's That is animal violence. Uh, It's not quite like the cannibal movies where it's just, it's like a main feature, you know. Like we said then, uh, it it happens quick and it happens fast. It's not done in any kind of way to torment the animal. So it's not maybe wrong to the censors, but uh, he definitely just kind of threw this in last minute. Be like, oh yeah, 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 let's kill the snake. And the kids were just like, uh, uh, okay. Oh, no, they that's actually hated it a lot. They they all did not like it. I mean, I wouldn't like it either because it's like, if you see a snake in your house, like, you're probably gonna kill it just, like, out of, like, sheer fear. Right. But, like, I feel like making you do it for camera, for entertainment purposes, would make me kind of sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they did. Again, not as extreme as our uh, Italian counterparts did recently. I say recently. Not recently. Uh, in the same time period, 40 years ago. Exactly. It's not... Different, but kind of same-same? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um Henry Manfredini, the guy that we were talking about earlier, who is not the cousin of Henry Mancini, uh, he did the music for the movie. He actually came up with that weird, creepy, like... <laughs> that whole thing? And he did that himself. All that you're hearing in there is the composer doing that. It's He was trying to figure out how all those kids were making all that hardcore punk rock music, and he was like, maybe if I just whisper and then make it louder in post. It'll sound like Scream, so... Ah, no, not not like that, I don't think. <laughs> oh, okay, it's not like that? Okay. Not like that I, at all. You know what, though? They did have some banging punk rock at the time. You know, the, the Ramones oh, were hell pretty yeah. active. Uh, uh, Dead Kennedys S- were just coming up. You know, we Circle had uh, Circle Jerks, Jerks release group sex in 1980. Um, We're just like, we're right on the cusp of Descendants right there. Anyway, ah, yeah. good quality content, and... uh also, fun fact, the original working title was Long Night at Camp Blood, which, honestly, is a pretty good movie title. It's not like a lot of working titles where they're just, like, ass stand-ins. Like, they don't, they're, they don't work. You know, it's, um, I mean, it's a very basic title, and I think it, it would have made enough sense. Like... Let me put it this way. If they would have called the movie that and then, like, the movie that actually features Jason Voorhees killing people Friday the 13th, I think that actually would have been pretty cool. Like, I feel like it would make more sense. Like, because then this movie could stand on its own. So you think that, like, the uh, the first movie should have been the things that happened in the late 50s at the summer camp? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, like, If this movie was called Long Night at Camp Blood, I feel like that would be cool. And then the next movie in the series could be Friday the 13th. Uh, Or it could be Longer Night at Camp Blood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> longer night at camp blutterer is the third one anyway yes. we could keep we could keep doing this yes. but we won't we'll spare you <laughs> the longest night at camp Bloodest. the long and winding night at camp blood do, 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 do. yeah Daddy. the beatles were uh not a thing in 1980 they broke up oh yeah as a matter of fact one of the beatles wasn't even anything in 1980 uh yeah imagine yeah, imagine there's no country you should imagine there was no 38 special oh <laughs> that man was horrible so i will allow you to say these things yeah that that's not an original joke i saw that somewhere but i thought it would be fun so you know have you, you can have that one Okay. (laughs) Just giving credit where credit's due. Just giving it where it's due. All right, John, what else? Do you have anything else to talk about with Friday the 13th? I don't. It's pretty straightforward. You watch it, you take it at face value, or don't. Uh, They retroactively made it into this big deal, and it kind of worked out for them, and now we have all this stuff. I remember going into, like you know the party city when i was a little kid in like 2000 2001 and seeing all like the crazy big serial killer monster mess and like all that i thought it was like crazy scary and like now that i'm an adult i look at it and I'm like eh, it smells like uh you know smells like uh vanilla pudding and cum <laughs> which makes tapioca we talked no, about this is not week. that's that's <laughs> not true that that is that is fake news no matter what they say this is fake news this is all fake news it's all just about movies things that don't matter there's things going on in the world that actually do matter oh mm-hmm, we are right. not that podcast we're not that podcast that's gonna do it for jason Voorhees. we're gonna throw him in the ground and he's gonna come back up just like kenny from south park uh if you liked this episode please make sure to check out our four year inflammation facebook page uh give us a five star rating on apple Podcasts because that will uh make us more visible to other people it'll get more shitheads like yourself in here and we would really like that we love you guys yes we do no matter what we say <laughs> no matter what we say to our 50 listeners, we love you. We love you. Just just, sh- just share it. Just share it on your Facebook. Share it on your Twitter. Just fucking do something. All right. That's going to do it for 4-Year Uh I'm Zach. And I'm John. Watch a new movie this week. Uh, watch a Friday the 13th movie that you haven't seen yet. Tons of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Tons of fun. And in these trying times, always remember the immortal words of Jason Voorhees. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me all right bye guys oh my god bixby shut the fuck up Literally, was... my phone is on silent and it just decided that now was a good time to start talking like it's really starting to freak me out i, I hate like all these automated we never point. talk anymore <laughs> oh, it's john bad. do you not love me because i'm older just down in some pumpkin <laughs> wine over here trying to get out of this